he promised her like he was going to get help. He promised her he was going to go do this. He promised her the world. He promised her this, you know, a thousand apologies. And she wanted to believe that he was going to change. I'm Sonny Dolphiet, host of the afternoon show heard on Family Life Stations in New York and PA. In this podcast, you're going to hear people who have gone through the toughest of times. But God pulled them out of that darkness and in to the sunny side. Well, welcome to the sunny side, Melody Infinger. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, who is Melody Infinger? I would say I am a... First, first and foremost, I'm a mom, a mom of um, two beautiful girls, Caitlin Rose and Madison Grace. Uh, Caitlin would have been uh, 22 um, this past October, and Madison uh, will be 15 in August. As far as uh, who I am, I am a child of God. I mean, uh, more than anything, I'm a woman of faith. Um, strength. Uh, I would call myself a survivor. I've been through uh, many things in my life, and um, through my faith, um, you know, I've, I've overcome them. So, an overcomer, and you know, I'm just a very outgoing, positive, optimistic, loud. Most people would say person. <laughs> <laughs> now, you say you're a woman of faith, and God grabbed your heart early in life, right? Yes, he absolutely did. He he did. He grabbed my heart early in life. Um, I was raised Catholic, so I, I, I knew God. I knew who he was. Um, but it wasn't until um, I kind of ventured out um, with some friends of mine into um, different churches. I truly began an intimate relationship with God. And I actually was introduced to a an Assembly of God church, which is a very, it's very different than Catholic church. Um, (laughs) Well, let me just interrupt for a quick second, because in Catholic, it's very ritualistic and it's up, down, very quiet. Um, Your church is, um, uh, let's just say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, They're not quiet. I'll put it that way. (laughs) No, they're not quiet. So I fit in very well with this church. So (laughs) it was, it was um, very different. And, um, and I I did, I liked it a lot. And, and, and it was just a a different perspective. Um, I I have since became non-denominational, you know, I go to a non-denominational church now, but then when I was about 12, I did get, you know, saved and baptized in a non-denominational church, which I went to for a few years. But that is truly when, you know, my true intimate relationship with God began. Amen. And charismatic, I think, is the word I was looking for. Oh, that's Very, the word. Yes. That's the word I was thinking of, too. Charismatic. Very is charismatic. exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. So then Melanie grows up and Melanie falls in love and you get married. I did. I got married um, very young. I I ended up right out of high school um, meeting uh, a man and and we were smitten and fell in love and, you know, thought we had the, you know, world, you know, ahead of us and, you know, we were going to be happily ever after. And so we jumped in and I think I was uh, 19 whenever I got married. And then I got pregnant about a year and a half after I got married. Um, And with my beautiful daughter, Caitlin, I like to say we were very young and young and dumb. And um, I just, I I always told my girls, you know, do not, don't get married. Don't even think about it until you're at least 25, because the people that we were when we got married, you know, at 19 and the people we were at 25 were two totally different people. 
So I just feel like we, you know, we grew apart, you know, we dealt with a lot of um, things in, in our, in our marriage, even though we were only married, you know, about five, five and a half years or together five, five and a half years. But my daughter was about three and a half when we got, when we ended the marriage and um, it was, it, it just became, you know, it just wasn't good. And, you know, a lot of arguing, he was battling throughout our marriage and addiction. So it was um, something that I prayed for fervently. I stood by his side, loved him unconditionally and, and just really prayed through it and worked, you know, with him and, you know, through everything. And we, we, we got through it. He got through it. He overcame it. And it, it my, my prayers were answered. I just feel like towards the end, it was something that it was like forgiven, but it wasn't forgotten. And and so I, I just felt, I, I, you know, I'd bring it up and I would bring it up and, and I would just live in that constant fear that he was going to relapse. And, and there was just so much damage done over the years of dealing with it that by the time he overcame it, and it, I think it just had done, you know, so much damage to our marriage mm. that I think that's kind of caused the big rift. And so, so we did, we did divorce, but we had a beautiful child out of that marriage and, um, Caitlin. And, um, so, so yeah, and she was about three and a half when we divorced. Yeah. So, so tell us about Caitlin. Oh, Caitlin, she was the most beautiful, uh, I mean, child. I mean, she was born the most beautiful, healthiest baby. And I'll, I, she was 11 and a half pounds, 23 and a quarter inches long when she was born. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so let's just say she entered this world making an impression. I had everyone in the hospital coming and visiting that baby because she was setting a record in that hospital. So she, uh, she's was just a beautiful child. She, it was very, very, from early on, very intelligent. She loved to read. I mean, she used to sleep with her books as a toddler. Um, I mean, she. I remember her going to bed with her books. I mean, she loved to read. She, um, into her adulthood, she, you know, loved to read. She was very, very artistic. She loved to paint. She loved to write poetry. She was just very, very smart. But, um, but I can say she was very much like her dad in the effect that she was not like me. I, I'm an extrovert and very, very outgoing and like a social butterfly. Well, she was not. She was the opposite of me. And she used to always tease me and tell me that my next child, which would have been her, which would be her sister, was going to be her, the social butterfly extrovert cheerleader, like, you know, like I was, because, because she was not, she was very (laughs) quiet, you know, she was to herself, she kind of, you know, you know, her dad was exactly that way. So I know she got that from her dad. I mean, I mean, it was total opposites, but um, she, uh, you know, just was very strong. She was very compassionate. She was one of the most compassionate people, just beautiful in so many ways. She, it was so forgiving. Just uh, she, you know, she had a small circle, but man, that circle she was so loyal to, and she, uh, you know, just would give anybody the shirt off their back. I, mm-hmm. I mean, off of her back. She was just a, an amazing individual, and just very strong. She had been through a lot of stuff in her life, you know, her, in trials and challenges through her teenager years, and that you know, she, you know, grew, and and I saw her just blossom you know, through all of her things she had been through about, you know, by the time she was 18, I would say is whenever she really was turning over a new leaf and because of everything she'd been through. And she began her, you know, I would say at about 17, she 
found God and, and began a relationship with him about the same age as I was when she was about 12 or 13 and was baptized. But it wasn't until she really had been through some despair and loneliness and depression and anxiety and just lots of bullying in school and just um, just some really bad experiences that she went through and the loss of her dad. Her dad passed away when she was 14. So she had been through a lot and, and, and she was lost there for a little while. And she did, though, come back and, and, you know, truly began this beautiful, intimate relationship with God. And I mean, she, I remember seeing her and her saying, Mom, like, I get it now. Like, I get it. My whole life, you've been telling me, you know, that he's there and that, you know, just to call on him and that I'll know it when I know it. And then you just have to experience it. And it's just something you're going to learn through life. And Mm. she's like, and I'm there, mom, I'm there, you know, and it was just beautiful. And she just started quoting scripture to me and she was reading her Bible every day. And, and I just remember just weeping to God saying, thank you. Like, thank you. And it was just, it, it was like such a moment of, okay, God, I get it now. Like I, you know, because when you're watching your child go through such horrible things and have to suffer so much through what she suffered through and to bring her where she ended up with God, I mean, to bring her so close to God and her faith grows so strong from it. It was such a blessing and my prayers were answered, but it it, it took a lot of heartache and it took a lot of pain to get there. So it was a a huge aha moment, I guess you could say for me. And uh, and God was going, look, I was working this whole time. You just didn't, like I've always told you and, you know, I've always, Mm. you know, God tells us that he has a plan and we have to trust that it's going to happen in in his season and not ours. And, And that's exactly what happened with Caitlin. I mean, she had a beautiful relationship with God. She absolutely did. So, as you said, Caitlin had some some dark moments there. She had dark moments to the point where she needed some professional help for a little bit. She did. She actually had some, when she was a, uh, in her teenage years, like I said, after she lost her dad, she had a lot of anxiety and depression. And so, yeah, she did seek some um, some therapy and, and to get her, help her through that. And, and, and it definitely helped. It definitely did help. Amen. So she she gets the help she needs. She um, is grabbing on to Jesus in a way that you've never seen, that it even impressed you. And then she meets Alex. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I mean, I'm saying it was very, very shortly after um, she had turned over her new leaf that she met Alex. And um, she, uh, uh, gosh, she met Alex and and it, it just happened so fast I mean it you know she like a lot of you know girls her age I mean she was young and and this guy was giving her attention and she was craving attention you know she wanted to be in a relationship she wanted to be loved I mean she had lost her dad so she he gave her this amazing attention and he was charming and he I mean he he wooed her I mean you know he did everything right he said everything right um, you know, he pulled her in and um, very fast. I mean, they were exchanging, you know, the L word and they were, you know, saying they love each other. And then before I know it, I would say it was within a few months, they got tattoos of each other's names on their arm. And it wasn't just a tiny tattoo. It was like half their arm. And and it, it blew my mind. I, I just remember, you know, very 
I was very upset. And I told her, like, you don't even know this guy. Like, you don't even know this guy. And you have his name on your arm for the rest of your life. And she was just so, and they were, they were just head over heels for each other at least you know that's and so I was trying to be supportive and happy for her because she was telling me mom he's the sweetest guy ever I've never met anybody so nice I've never met anybody that treats me this good like and he was going out of his way for her and and you know surprising her with love letters and gifts and and everything you know what a girl wants and things that they're looking for that's what she saw in Alex Mm. and they got tattoos within, I'd say, about a month of that. They moved in together. And I'd say within a few months of that, they were pregnant. So it, it happened very, very fast. And Melanie, there, just, there are going to be some people who listen now and say, but isn't that what we want for our kids? And it's there's a reason why you thought this was wrong. Oh, yeah, I, I did. I, we, we saw red flags pretty soon after they started dating. We saw signs of control and jealousy um, from, from him. We saw him begin to isolate her from her friends. We saw that they were inseparable, like together, 24-7. Every time I called her phone, he was answering it. Um, I couldn't talk to her without her being on speaker. So we saw signs. I mean, we saw signs of control and jealousy, like uh, I'd say within within a, two weeks or a month of them dating, things that she saw as love, I, because of life experience, you know, said, no, Caitlin, like that's mm. like more like stalkerish or controlling than it is love. Like yeah. that's not normal. Like y'all have not been dating long at all. And he's doing this, this and this. So, so I definitely, I saw some red flags. My parents, they... I mean, way before I did, we're like, yeah, something's off with this guy. Like, I mean, he's not to be trusted. They didn't like him from the get go. Our special (laughs) guest on the sunny side is Melanie Infingered. We're talking about her baby girl, Caitlin, who was in a relationship quickly with Alex. And you see the warning signs and then unfortunately goes from bad to worse. It did. It absolutely did. It it went from bad to worse um, really fast. I would say when she was about six months pregnant, we had the biggest red flag. She called me up in the middle of the day one day and said that he had killed one of their cats. Like they had, and her kittens were her babies. Mm. So, so that was um, very scary for, for us. And that's whenever I really freaked out and I was like, okay, like Caitlin, people who kill cats kill people. And that's not okay. That's not normal. That's not, you know, not that there's any, ever any excuse to kill a cat, but I remember you know, asking her, like, well, like, was he drunk? Like, was he mad? Like, were y'all in a fight? Did something happen? Like, what did something like trigger it? Like, and she was just like, no, mom, like, that's, that's what's, uh, that's the craziest thing is because he, he, it was just in the middle of the day, like nothing was going on. Like I walked out of the bedroom and like, I heard the cat squeal. I went in there and he had basically like, yeah, I don't want to, he had killed the cat. It was horrible. And so from that moment on, like, that's when I really, that's when I knew violence was in the picture. Like, that's whenever I knew it wasn't just control and jealousy. Now this is a violent individual that could kill, you know, Caitlin or uh, hurt or kill Caitlin or hurt or kill Alexis. And so, so at that moment, she had not told me or anything that he had been violent towards her, but it wasn't long after that. Alexis was born in November And the following February is actually the first incident, um, which was a major incident, that he had been violent with her. And 
and it actually put her in the ER. I mean, my, my parents, I was at work and I, I, they were closer. They picked her up and brought her to the ER that night. I mean, she was black and blue. I mean, it was like it, it, her face was it was awful. I mean, mm-hmm. she couldn't open, barely open her eyes. It looked like her nose was broke. I mean, her, the pictures, it's just awful. And she had um, called me and texted me the pictures on the way to the ER that, you know, she, and the way she said it, I'll never forget. She was like, she's like, look, mom, I'm in the car, you know, and with Nana. And she was like, you know, Alex and me got in a fight and he just really took it too far this time. And she sent me pictures and I was just, oh, I just was crushed. I just was, I, I, I just, I was so upset and angry that, you know, he had done this to her and, you know, and just said, you have to press charges, you have to press charges. And, and she was going to press charges. Um, like I hung up with her and, and I was just thanking God that she was going to finally, you know, she was going to press charges. And, and, you know, and I found out also she, that's when she told me that he had been being abusive to her, like for several months prior to this. And I didn't know that. So she was at the ER with my mom. And then before I know it, I'm getting a phone call from my mom that Caitlin's pregnant. Caitlin already had Alexis and Alexis is, you know, not even like what, four months old. Mm. And, and then she's just gotten beat up by Alex. And now she, and she's thinking, you know, she's ready to press charges, but then the nurse comes in and they're telling her she's pregnant. So I know my daughter, I know how I was at her age. I've been in relationships like this before. I, I put myself in her place and I just, it broke my heart because I I was just the first thing I thought was, please God, tell me you're still going to press charges. Please God, tell me you're, you're still going to like leave him. Like you're, you know, this can't change anything. I understand like you're pregnant and I understand that this is a lot to take in, but just know that like you have to, you know, protect yourself and this baby, these babies and get out and, she said, Mom, I'm definitely leaving him. She was like, but I'm I'm not going to press charges. And she said, I, I thought about it, and I just I can't do that to his record. And I just don't want to do that to him, you know. And so she didn't. She ended up not pressing charges and came back and came back to our house. And, and by the next morning, by the time she woke up and Alex had been blowing her phone up, literally i'd say within an hour of her waking up she was he was already picking her up like he'd already manipulated her, her already manipulated his way back into her going back to him hmm. and i mean you know it's the the manipulation it's it's these men and these and women in these domestic abuse situations like the abusers are so good at what they do and say i mean he promised her like he was going to get help he promised her he was going to go do this he promised her the world he promised her this you know a thousand apologies and she wanted to believe that he was going to change she wanted to believe that you know it was a phase she wanted to believe that she was going to have this happy family and that they were just young and that's what she would do she would defend him she would make excuses for him she would just, you know, want to change him. She was so loving and she just had such a big heart. and She just really wanted to believe it, it was going to get better. And I knew it wasn't going to get better. I, I, we all warned her it wasn't going to get better. And we just, oh, we just can't tell you how many times we cried and told her. Like, you know, you're going to give him another chance and he's going to end up killing you. Mm-hmm. Like, he almost killed you. So, Melanie, you so, said that he had a record. So, what happened there? 
He actually did. He um, After she had taken him back, I got a phone call to come pick her up from a restaurant. He had gotten belligerently drunk. And I was trying to get her, manhandling her into the truck, um, trying to get her into the truck. And then she said he almost ran her over. She's like, you need to come get me. I'm not getting in the car with him. He's, you know, and he's drunk. And turns and turns out we came back to my house. And um, before we knew it, we find out that he's now been in a hit and run. He had gotten in an accident and left the scene. So they ended up going to his house and giving him a DWI. So he had a DWI and a hit and run on his record. And, and she actually at that point left him again and moved in with me. Um, and she was with me about a month. That was his second DWI. Now, granted, he, did, he had a DWI before he met Caitlin. So this was now his second DWI. About a month goes by, and and he has weaseled his way like he always does. He is a, well. I'll tell you what happened again. This is a, mm. it's, it's, we sat at a restaurant one day. Me and her. I'm happy she's with me. She's safe. Alexis and her were doing great. She's um, I, I'm thinking she's left him. Like you know that she's on her way. Like she'd actually already we got we gotten our lawyers. She was um going to divorce him. I mean everything was lining up. And she sits, we go to a restaurant, she sits me down and she tells me she's pregnant for the third time because she had miscarried the baby before. The, the second pregnancy after mm. the beating he gave her, she yeah. miscarried. Oh. So she's now pregnant a third time. And I just broke because I knew from the last pregnancy that she'd taken him back. And I, and I just looked at her and I said, please, God, tell me that this is not me. You're taking him back. And, and she did. She said, yeah, mom, she's like, I've, I've got to give it one more shot. Like, I've got to give him one more chance. Like, I don't want to be a single mom. I mean, I do believe he's going to change. And, and I just, it was just awful. It was awful. So she, they got their own apartment. They, they went and they got a, an apartment 45 minutes away, which I knew was a way of him isolating her from us because he knew we were dead set um and we were making sure that you know that she got as far away from him and we want did not want her anywhere near him and we we you know couldn't stand him i mean that you know he was uh, very dangerous and we knew that he was dangerous and so of course he's going to try to get her far away like because before see she didn't drive and before they lived five minutes away from us and uh -huh. i could go to her house and get her when they'd fight i could you know she could walk to my house mm -hmm. i mean so this was her safe haven. Well, if he moved her 45 minutes away where they went and moved, then I couldn't be to her in five minutes. I mean, if something were to happen and I told her that I said, Kaylee, you don't think you don't, don't don't think for a second that we don't know what he's doing. I can't save you. If something were to happen to you, you're 45 minutes away. I can't be there. So I was very scared. And so um, so they did. They ended up uh, they moved and they lived there from June and July. So, Melanie, they're back together, and there is another arrest. What happened? Yes, they're back together, and they actually, uh, they had their apartment in Pasadena, and uh, and then she get, called me. It was on a Wednesday. She said, Mom, um, can you come over? And she's like, uh, a lot of stuff happened. She said the prior Monday, Alex had beat her up. And that um, she had came home from a hotel because she had went and stayed in a hotel for a few days and came home to her cat, another cat, being killed and tortured and put in a bag of bleach. And that's, so she initially called the police to have him arrested for the cat. Well, she said, Mom, they, didn't, they wouldn't arrest him for the cat. So 
she said, well, then if you're not going to arrest him for the cat, can you arrest him for the the fact that he abused me? He assaulted me and beat me up on Monday. She had marks on her face from that. And so they took pictures and they arrested him for the assault. And that was on a Wednesday. That was July 31st. Well, of course, I'm talking to her several times a day, you know, the whole time he's in jail and, and we're all believing he's in jail. He's she's safe. Alexis is safe. Of course, I begged her to come back home with me. I begged her, you know, not to be in that apartment. I was still scared. And she said, you know, mom, no, I'm, I'm staying here. I have a plan. You know, she was like, you know, he's not getting out. He's facing, you know, a felony and three misdemeanors because of all the stuff he had on his record. You know, she's like, he's no judge is going to let him out. Like he's going to, he's, he's staying, he's where he needs to be. And she had been paying for the apartment. She, that was her apartment. She paid for everything. So she was very prideful on that. And she didn't want to leave her apartment. She, she was strong headed and she, you know, didn't want to leave. She wanted to make a home for her babies. And and so she didn't want to leave. And we're all thinking he's in jail. Like he's, you know, he's going to be in jail and they're, they're protecting her. That this justice system is protecting her when that's, it couldn't be more far from the truth. Because uh, I, I, I got, you know, the phone call Saturday from a family member that found out that Alex got out. And then, I mean, right after I got a call from an unknown number that ended up being the medical examiner telling me that she had been stabbed to death. Mm. And so I, in that moment, of course, everything stops. I mean, like my world just ended. Um, everything just pauses and you just... It's surreal. It's just, it's a, it's a moment I'll never forget. Once all that kind of, you know, after that first five, 10 minutes, I, I'm angry because I'm thinking, who in the world let him out? Like, who went and bailed him out? I'm thinking someone bailed him out. Like, I'm ready to blame, you know, I'm thinking what family member, what friend, who bailed him out? You know, I was so mad. But then it wasn't until I went home and there was a news, the Pasadena police chief was on the news talking about, bond reform and the fact that that our the PR bonds is partly to blame for Caitlin's death and and he called Caitlin's name out and said like you know our justice system is really messed up and it's to blame for Caitlin's murder and mm-hmm. and I and and it, I didn't even know until that moment what what happened like I didn't even know what a PR bond was and I didn't know that Alex had gotten a PR bond he didn't just get one PR bond he had gotten out too. And basically a PR bond is a slap on the wrist. It's you don't have to pay a dime. You just sign your signature and promise to go to court. And so he had already done that. They gave it, they gave him a second chance. He got a PR bond for the DWI. Well, then he goes back to jail after killing a cat and assaulting Caitlin. And he has two DWIs on his record. And then they're going to give, give him another PR bond. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's, I don't see where there's any protection for the victims at this point. I mean, I'm thinking, how does a, you know, someone with that kind of a record go before a judge and, and let them just walk out without having to have any consequences for their actions, not being held accountable, nothing. I mean, they just let them out to murder Caitlin. Mm. I mean, they not having to do anything. I just, it's just, it's, it's mind baffling. It's, it's maddening. It's, it's tragic. Obviously, he's he was a violent criminal. I mean, he you know, and it was just pure negligence on on the the side of the justice system. Pure negligence. We're talking to Melanie about 
the sunny side, um, how there is so much anger there because they allow him out. And then he goes, was it immediate that he goes back to the apartment in Caitlin? That is something we don't know. Okay. Um, I only um, I, I only have bits of information from other people that she was talked to that day. I don't know. And I think that, that those kind of things are probably going to just come out in the criminal case in May. I do know, you know, after he was arrested for the assault that week before he was let out, she really had, I mean, after that last beating on that Monday, she she ended it with him, like, for good. Like, she had had his parents come and get all his belongings out of the apartment. She had stood her ground. That's why she had him arrested. I mean, she was, it was done. It was over. I was so proud of her. I mean, she was so brave to the end. I mean, she really had ended it. And, um, and you know, was standing her ground and, and just being the strong person that she is. And I was just so proud of her for doing that. And he was found hiding in a closet waiting for her. So he tried to sneak up on her and they were able to get him out of the apartment and she had locked the door and was not supposed to let open. I mean, was told not to open the door and we don't know why she opened the door. I've, I've had two people tell me two different stories of why she opened the door. I know that he was very good at manipulating her and she was so forgiving. I, I, I mean, there's there's really no there's a, a thousand things that went through my mind as far as what he could have said to make her open that door whenever he you know got in. I mean, he just and 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 was able to murder her the way he did. I mean, it was brutal. I'm so sorry, Melanie. And of course, then you get a phone call from the medical examiner. That's how you found out. Yeah, sadly, they they actually did. They thought that um, they thought that I knew um, when I got the phone call. They it's like it was an unknown number. I, I was on the other line with my parents trying to figure out what my next move was going to be like, you know, and I just found out Alex got out and when I saw it was an unknown number, I, I told my mom and my dad, I said, I said, oh, my gosh, I said, this is an unknown number. I said, it's probably Caitlin, because every time Caitlin and Alex would fight, he would take her phone from her. So I just knew if he's out they're in a fight, he took her phone. So she's calling from someone's phone. So when I answered it, it was someone and they said, hi, is this Melanie Infinger? And I said, yes. And they were, they were like, have they called you about your daughter? And I just immediately lost it. I just knew. And they said, they, and then they realized I didn't know. And then they hadn't said anything yet. And they said, I'm sorry, this is not normally how we do this. So at this point, they still haven't told me. And they told me they were going to have to call me back in five minutes. And I just was on the floor screaming saying, no, you, you don't call me back in five minutes. I need to know what he did to my daughter. And they did. They had to call, they had to let me go and call me back. And, and that's when they told me. And, um, it, yeah, and, and I can tell you that the investigator apologized over and over and over and over again that night that, that they were not the ones to tell me. That was never intended to happen that way. They had no idea that that was how I was going to find out. So I'm not upset about that. Melanie is our special guest on the sunny side. And there is through all of this darkness and all of this hurt and all of this pain, there is a sunny side that God helped pull you through. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he absolutely pulled me through. Many people throughout this um, past year and a half uh, have said, how are you getting through this? Like, how are you doing this? Like, you're the strongest person I know. And and I'm like, oh, it's it's not me. It's not me at all. It's it's absolutely God. 
it's absolutely God and, and it's my faith. You know, he's gotten me through so much in my life and always has seen me through to the end. And I've always become, you know, become stronger and, you know, because of it and, and learned through it and and have um, stronger faith because of everything I've been through. And, you know, after after it did happen, I mean, absolutely, like anyone would in um, the situation, um, it did test my faith. I mean, it does make you question things. It does make you confused and, you know, and you're angry and sad and, and just, you know, ask just want to scream at God. I mean, you know, you just don't understand. And, um, and it did, it did for the, I'd say for about the first three or so months, um, you know, I had a hard time. I had my relationship with God and my faith never fall, never altered, but it definitely, it, it made my, my prayer life harder because I just wasn't sure what to say or, or, or how to say it. And, um, but, you know, God was always there. And I know that and God just kept reminding me that he saw he knows he knows my heart. He he knew my faith and he knew that, my you know, um, and I knew that he was always going to be there. And it's almost like he was saying, when you're ready, I'm here. Like when you're ready, I'm here. Like I know you're grieving. I know that you, you don't understand this, but I knew that he has a bigger plan and as awful and as tragic as this is. I, I just, he just kept telling me like, you know, I, I've got you, like I've got you and, and I've got your baby and, um, you know, and, and she's, you know, out of pain and she's, you know, with her babies, her two babies that had passed on, you know, and I know that there's evil in the world and, and uh, I know what happened is God didn't do it. You know, um, there's evil and, and that's exactly what happened. And, um, we have an awesome God and, yes. and he, he, we aren't, you know, meant to, I tell people all the time, we're not, we're not meant to carry the, this stuff, this heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. And it doesn't get any heavier than this. We're not meant to do that alone. Like we're, you know, God, we have to lean on God. I mean, I, I, I mean, my faith and my, my relationship with God is stronger now than ever. Hmm. Um, and, and I just, you know, it, it just, I, you know, all the things I had been through in my life, people used to, you know, say your test is your testimony. And, and I would like tell people my story and it would help or inspire someone. And, you know, and God would use me as a vessel, like, you know, to help people. And man, I'm like, well, you know what, God, I thought that I had been tested as much as I possibly could be tested because I had been through so much. And then this happens. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. I'm like, you know, so it's, it's a lot, but I mean, I know that he's using me, especially trying to get a law passed in her name, not just, you know, my story, her story and my story and my faith and her faith, but, um, but trying to get a law passed so that we can, you know, stop this from continuing to happen. Before you go, Melanie, you, you said something that um, a lot of people will probably resonate with when you're so broken and hurt and angry that you feel like maybe you've run away from God because you want nothing to do with him. How can you let this happen? But as soon as you just turned around, he was there. He's exactly. He is always there. And I knew, and he he was just waiting, just like I remember telling my daughter, you know, over and over when she was going through her trials and tribulations, I would tell her, you just had any like you're a child of God. And he and, you know, he's always there. And you just have to when you, you know, just talk to him or scream out to him or whatever, however, he's just like your your daddy. Like, you know, he's our he's our daddy. He's just he's just the, the ultimate, the strongest. And he, but he's always there. And it's like so when I was grieving and going through this turmoil and th this despair, 
um, you know, it's like I was remembering what I used to tell my daughter, you know, and, and, and she, it's her and God. And I think, you know, I get signs all the time and I just felt like they were saying like, you know, like, listen to your own words. Like I'm right here. I'm right here. And he, he always was. And he, and I mean, bigger than ever. And so it's, I, I, I tell people, like I said, I'm, it's, I'm strong, but it's because of my faith uh, God absolutely gives me faith every day to go on. And I know that, um, there's blessings come out of um, our biggest messes and our biggest tragedies and our, our biggest heartbreaks. There's always blessings at the end of it. Amen. As long as you keep the faith. Absolutely. Yes. Melanie and finger father, we just lift Melanie to you. Now uh, we lift her for your comfort and peace to continue to be with her. We lift her Lord for justice to be done in may when the trial comes around and for just that peace that surpasses all understanding that she can continue to tell her story and glorify you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Sunnyside Family Life is listener supported and your financial gifts make podcasts like this possible. Find out how you can partner with Family Life on our website at familylife.org.